Mix in the Dark. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Mai Yang from Mix in the Dark. First, thank you so much for listening to my podcast series and staying with me this far. Mix in the Dark has only been alive for about a month, and we've been able to reach 12 different countries. The countries include Australia, Canada, Sweden, Germany, Netherlands, Turkey, South Africa, Spain, Costa Rica, France, Jordan, and of course, the United States where I am from. Shoutouts to you all for keeping up with me. We are almost to our 1,000 subscription and download marks on all podcast platforms. I could not have done it without you, so thank you, thank you, thank you. I have a story for you. This one is not scary. It's rather sweet, interesting, and it brings up a lot of conversations about the afterlife. The person who wrote it questions her own beliefs with the spiritual world and physical world. I do feel for her, and I hope she has been able to find some peace in her heart. Please enjoy My Guardian Angel. I believe that there is a spiritual world out there and that there is a life after death. I have to admit, I'm a seeker, but not willingly. It's almost like I'm drawn towards it and there is a sense of fascination. Some of us are born with the ability to sense this other world in different ways. I struggle with it because isn't life hard enough as it is? But once you become aware, how do you turn back? How can you just shrug it off? When I was 21 years old, My family and I learned that my father was at his last stage of cancer and that the doctors are refusing to treat him. They probably had their own reasons and the reasons were probably valid, but to me at the time, this was inadmissible. They gave him his death date and my poor father waited for that day to come. When the death day passed, he felt relieved and had hopes again. My mother, in the meantime, was flocking to wherever she heard that there was a spiritual leader who could help. It didn't matter if they were Hmong or not. She would go and beg and pay whatever amount they asked and do whatever they asked for, thinking that they could somehow save her husband. I had no idea that she was doing this. My father was also physically being treated by a home hospice nurse. His co-workers would occasionally stop by to pray for him and sing Christian songs for him. At the time, I didn't believe in the spiritual world, nor did I think much about it, even though I had witnessed things before. I did wonder why my father would allow his Christian friends to come over and pray and sing besides him when he was far from being a Christian. I remember this one time he pulled me aside and tried to explain to me that there was a spiritual world and the physical world. He was trying to heal himself in both worlds. Not understanding what he was saying, I nodded my head and said, okay. 
One day, my father's pain became unbearable. The ambulance came and picked him up and he was taken to the hospital. No one was home except my grandparents and myself. My grandparents are from my mother's side. They were visiting because they heard that my father was sick. I'm not close to them because they lived far away and we hardly ever saw them. They were in the living room which was way up in the front of the house and I was in the back of the house in the last bedroom down this long, dark, narrow hallway. I was folding a blanket in the bedroom with the door wide open. I noticed something in the corner of my eyes so I looked straight out into the hallway to find two white figures by my father's room. One after another exiting my father's room, they were only about 10 feet away from me. They did not look at me, but they exited my father's room jumping up and down. Believe me, I did not have time to be scared. It happened so fast. It took me a minute to register what I had witnessed and then ask myself, what do I do now and why were they jumping? I waited what felt like an eternity in my room when it had only been just a few minutes. I wanted to make sure that the two figures were gone. This was when I had time to remember to be scared. No chance in hell was I going to pass them up in the hallway. As soon as I felt they were gone, I ran down the hallway into the living room to quietly sit with my grandparents. I didn't breathe a word. I just sat there on the sofa silently and thanking them for being there. I absolutely hate long hallways now. Later that night, my mother called me to join her at the hospital. We were told that he had to sleep overnight there. I brought a sleeping bag to sleep on the hard, cold hospital floor. Before I could knock out, I told my mother what I saw at our house. I explained about the two white figures and demonstrated their movements of jumping. She looked at me and said, It's true. The spirits did really come home with me. She then explained that she had gone to see a healer who had told her that his spirit healers will go home with her. The jumping movements I witnessed were them doing a spiritual ritual called Onning. Onning is a Hmong spiritual ritual that is performed by shamans to heal a person or family. Oftentimes, when a shaman enters the spirit world, they enter with their horses ready to investigate. In the physical world or living world, what we would see is the shaman jumping up and down. In the spiritual world, what they are actually doing is riding their horses. My father didn't make it, despite all the spiritual healings my mom attempted to find. When it's your time to go, I guess there isn't anything or anyone to stop that from happening. Even my father, who willed himself to live and did not want to pass to the other side, could not prevent it. He was worried about leaving my mother alone and leaving his children who would be without a father to look out for them. He did not want any of us to suffer the way he did growing up without parents. My father passed away in December right before the Fresno Hmong New Year. We lived in the Bay Area, but my father's relatives lived in Fresno. Plus, my father wanted to be buried in Fresno, where the Belmont Cemetery was. My family and I drove to Fresno to meet with the relatives about coordinating my father's funeral. We ended up sleeping at one of my aunt's houses. 
My eldest brother and his wife owned a green Integra, which they parked right in front of the house on the street. The next morning, when we woke up, the Integra was gone. So were all of my father's important documents, life insurance, death certificate, social security card, you name it. My brother did not think to bring them in. He had put them all in his black backpack and thrown it to the back seat. My mother was freaking pissed. She was so mad, she went crazy for like two minutes. She started rolling on the ground. Can you imagine a full adult laying down and just rolling back and forth like a child? I didn't know what to do, so I just followed her around, trying to tell her that it would be okay. She must have gone in and out of the house like five times to the front yard and back in again, hoping that the Integra would just appear. She was so frustrated that she decided to go out to the street and started to scream. My Hmong isn't that great, but I could understand that she was screaming at my father. She was screaming at him to scold him and question why he left her and for him to see that this is what her life had become. She continued to scream that everything was lost and that if he really cared about her and the children, he would go find that car by that afternoon and get the documents back. By this time, I was freaked out. I had never seen my mother like this. After my mother's rant, she came back inside the house and immediately phoned her father, who also came over and did some sort of ritual. While that was happening, my brother made sure to report his missing vehicle. We waited in town to see if we would get a call back from the police about the stolen vehicle. Honestly, we were more waiting for my father to complete his task than my mother had demanded him to do. But nothing happened. Defeated, we went back home that night. A week passed and my mother had somewhat calmed down. Everyone kept waiting for the call from the Fresno PD. We had really given up hope. We were thinking about a new plan already and trying to obtain another death certificate and whatnot. We had thoughts about hiring a lawyer even. And then one day we received a call that pissed us off all even more. It turns out that the Fresno PD located the vehicle that same afternoon we reported it. They just didn't bother to call us until a week later. We contacted the yard that was holding the vehicle and asked about the condition of the vehicle. They said it was stripped inside completely. There was nothing left. How saddening, right? We eventually drove back to Fresno for the car. When we got to the yard, my mother ran towards the vehicle and looked in the back seat. This was where my brother last left his backpack. Nothing there. She broke down in tears. But then, we opened up the trunk of the vehicle, and there it was. The backpack that contained all of my father's documents. My mother grabbed the backpack and immediately opened it. Everything was there, no documents missing. It was as though it had never been touched. It was unbelievable. How could that possibly be? How could these carjackers strip the inside of the vehicle but toss the backpack into the trunk? 
Why would they even bother? Why not just toss the backpack or burn it or whatever they do with unknown stuff? Was it a coincidence? Not to mention the vehicle was found by afternoon. You'd think that they would just take everything out without looking through it and just dump the car. My guts told me no, but questioned. Did my father have a hand in this? It is so hard to believe that there are such things as ghosts or an afterlife. It is New Year's Eve now. My family and I are back at my aunt's place where the Integra was stolen. This time, my father's brand new Honda Accord was parked in the same exact spot as the Integra. It was parked right in the middle of the house on the street where if I looked through their gigantic front window, it would be straight in my view. He loved his Accord and would spend hours cleaning his leather seats until they shined. We were not allowed to roll down the windows or even eat in his car. He loved it that much. This is just a sweet memory of him. He treated everything he loved with care. That night, it was rainy and of course with New Year's Eve, that meant lots of fireworks, including guns going off. One of my brother's girlfriend and cousin's girlfriend needed a ride home. My brother and cousin drank too much, so I ended up taking them both home in my father's accord. I parked the vehicle in the same exact spot again after dropping off the girls and went inside the house. On my way back, I noticed around the corner that there were some Asian fellows out loitering. It was probably 1am or even earlier, so I remembered about the Integra being stolen and reminded my brothers and male cousins who were still up drinking to keep an eye out on their own vehicles. They responded back that I keep an eye out on their vehicles instead. There was no way I was going outside in the dark alone to go look at their vehicles, so I went to lie down next to my girl cousins who were all sleeping on the living room floor already. There was a spot saved for me which was right in the middle. Now if you're Hmong and follow superstitions, you know not to sleep directly in the middle of a group. We have this saying in Hmong, meaning they take the one in the middle. It's all superstition, but basically if you are the lucky one to sleep in the middle, a spirit demon is going to come and try to either bother you or take you. I couldn't sleep that night anyway because I kept thinking about those stupid vehicles outside. To clear my conscience, I decided I'll peek through the gigantic front window just to make sure that they were still okay. By now, I was pretty much the only one awake in the dark living room. The guys were off in the kitchen doing their own thing. I mustered up enough courage to slightly pull the curtains back, but I could only see my father's vehicle. I couldn't see the rest of the vehicles that were off to the side on the driveway. I had a side view of his Accord and I could see clearly into it. I stared into the car without blinking for a long time until I felt the fear settling into my bones. Only then did I let the curtains drop back into its place and go back to sleep. What I saw when I pulled the curtains back on the driver's side of the Accord was my father. He was sitting there with his arms stretched out with his hands holding on to the steering wheel. The back of his head rested on the headrest with his chin tilted up. This was his infamous pose of when he was stressed out. It wasn't a shadow, it was clearly him. That's why I stared out for so long. 
If you have ever lost someone you hold dearly and you had the chance to see them again, you would stare too. He never once turned toward me though, he only looked straight ahead. Even though I loved and missed him, I knew in my heart that he had already passed. I didn't say anything to anyone the next morning or the day after. Actually, I didn't speak of it until a long time after the funeral. I only spoke of it when my mother mentioned that she had a dream of him that same exact night. He had come to her to complain about his vehicle and ask why it was so dirty. Only then did I tell her that I saw him in that vehicle that same night when she dreamed of him. Not long after the funeral, I moved back with my husband to Fresno. My mother-in-law wanted to visit a Hmong lady in Visalia who practices some sort of spiritual art. I'm not sure if it was shamanism, but when we got there, this lady spoke freely of the spiritual world. I went with my mother-in-law as a partner because she was recently divorced. She was trying to lead a single life but was not quite used to being by herself just yet. Anyways, this lady was doing some sort of ritual for my mother-in-law. I was just standing around with nothing to do so I ended up having a conversation with her younger son who was also bored. He didn't have a TV or any computers. When the ritual was done, the lady started to cook lunch for us. She casually talked about herself not ever wanting to eat the food that has been offered to the dead. Not that you should even do that, but she would never do it herself. She said once they eat it, their saliva is all over the food. I was like, oh, okay. Again, not really giving her my full attention. Then she started talking about my father. First, I want to state that she does not know anything about me and that we have never met nor talked to each other. She started saying, oh, honey, your father hasn't left yet. He doesn't want to. He is still outside every day crying. Excuse me, I said as I looked at her, but she didn't repeat herself. Instead, she smiled at me and went off on another topic. She was a very chatty lady. This lady really woke me up though. It bugged me. It bugged me so much, but what do I do? Is she trying to say that my father was really still in the house and refusing to leave? I worried for my father who was stuck in the afterlife with the dilemma of staying or going to wherever he was supposed to go. I started thinking, how can I get him to go? I don't want him to be sad and crying. Throughout the years, we have definitely sensed my father around our house. This took place after my youngest brother got married. His wife was home alone with my mother who was cooking in the kitchen. She was making curry noodles, her favorite and my father's least favorite. My father had this thing about smelly cooked foods in the house because it would cause his clothes in their bedroom to stink. He is a very clean and neat person. The total opposite of my mother. So anyways, my sister-in-law was sitting at the dining area watching my mother cook at the stove. All of a sudden, they heard a bedroom door slam shut. Like someone was pissed off. My mother looked at my sister-in-law and asked if my little brother was home yet from work. My sister-in-law told her that he was not, so they just looked at each other and continued to stay in the kitchen. 
There was this one time I went back to visit my mother, youngest brother, and his wife alone without my husband. I ended up sleeping on the sofa in the living room with the TV. It was the weekdays, so my mother was on her usual routine of waking up at 4 a.m. and leaving the house at 5 a.m. to go to work. You know those early mornings when you don't want to wake up yet but is half awake because of the noises around you? That was me that morning. I vaguely remember a blur of her putting money in my hand while I lay sleeping, saying bye and closing the front door after her. I heard her close the front door, lock the top, and then slam the screen door closed. I'm still half asleep, wanting to go back to sleep. But then, I heard someone rinsing their mouth the exact same way that my father does when he rinses his mouth, and then flushing the toilet after like he usually does. In this house, you can hear everything everyone does. I knew that my brother and his wife were still sleeping in their room. They never got up to use the bathroom in the hallway, so no one was in the hallway restroom. The only other restroom was in my mother's room, and there wasn't supposed to be anyone there. My heart started racing, but I told myself, come on, I'm old. I can't just run into my brother's room and ask if I can sleep there like a scared little child. I told myself to tough it up, and that it was only my father. I wasn't trying to investigate either. I forced shut my eyes and eventually fell asleep. Sometimes ghosts or spirits can enter our dreams when they want to communicate or send a message. There was this one time out of the blue when one of my uncles called my mother and told her that he had a dream of my father. My father had told him to tell my mother to stop wearing her red lipstick because my father hated it. So as it turned out, my mother had been wearing her red lipstick and putting it on every morning. She stopped. Another uncle had a dream about my father and called my mother. The uncle told my mother that my father had hidden a stash of cash in a drawer. Sure enough, my mother opens the drawer to find a stash of cash inside one of my father's caps. Crazy, right? She gave it away to my brother who really took care of my father all the way to the end. This story is probably the most violent. It has been a while now and my mother has been remarried and was living with her husband. My father was pissed off at her. The home he had bought in the Bay Area had been paid off upon his death. This was the house he wanted my mother to keep no matter what so that his children can always have a place to come back to if they needed it. Well, my mother sold the home after all the boys got married and moved out to Sacramento. The deal was made in front of the house. The buyer paid out. My mother and her husband went back inside the house to start packing. Her husband was in a separate part of the home when all of a sudden my mother fell and sprained her ankle. She claimed that she was taking a step down into the garage when she felt a gush of wind shove her from behind. Not only that, her husband also claimed he heard whispers during that time that they were cleaning. They were both frightened, so they ended up hiring a company to pack for them. They never stepped back into the house after that incident. I remember calling my mother around that time, not knowing that all of this took place and that she sold the house. 
I called to let her know that my dad came into my dreams again. He had shown himself at the Sacramento home, standing in the kitchen with white hair. The white hair stood out to me in my dreams. I don't know what it represents. Stress, maybe? But my mother didn't say much to me. She was probably scared out of her mind. Eventually, we sensed less and less of him. According to one of my uncles, my father entered his dream and told him that he can no longer wait for my mother and that he is leaving because my mother had failed him. You see, they had a promise to be together forever and that my mother was not supposed to remarry. He didn't completely disappear. He would occasionally come back and visit. I think my father passed away too young at 45, and he had too many unfinished business. During the time he was sick with cancer, he was waiting for his home in Sacramento to be finished. He bought one acre of land and wanted to have a house built from scratch. It was going to be a big, roomy, and warm home for his family to move into. He had plans to retire in this home and raise his chickens. His best friend had bought the anchor next to him and was planning on doing the same thing. He still had two sons that were not married yet, so he worried. He had set money aside for each of his married children so that we could buy our own homes. He even set money on the side for his two sons who were not yet married. He was a responsible, good person who took his role as a father seriously. He worried too much about his family, though, so I think he couldn't leave and didn't want to leave. So he stayed behind and watched over us. <laughs> 